Let's turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 50. And I'm going to pray over the word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. For it always goes forth to produce what you meant for it to produce. It does not come back void. It does not come back empty. But instead, it produces everything that you meant for it to go forth and produce. So, Father, we thank you this morning that everything that, that comes out of your word this morning brings us into a, a new level. It breaks through every lie that the enemy has sown into the hearts of men and women here and breaks the, the hard places and softens the heart. So we thank you, Father, for this. We thank you for the fruit of this word in our lives this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. In the book of Psalms, chapter 50, <clears throat> we've been, first we've been talking about uh, the, the topic of praise, the topic of praise. And praise is uh, a weapon. It is a weapon in our lives. And most people think it's just the thing that you come into church and do uh, before you hear the word of God. But praise is actually a weapon. And it breaks through things that you can't do in your natural self. So we've been talking about why we praise. It's not just a, a singing a few songs and, and, you know, clapping your hands. There's more to praise than what you think. So we want to get into the, the uh, understanding of what praise does. Because without the revelation of something, there's no power to it. So until you get the revelation of something, then you can attach your faith. And faith is what pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we have to have faith in order for God to be able to work through something. That is why when Jesus went into uh, his own hometown, he didn't find faith. Instead, he found unbelief because they were too familiar with him as a natural person. So as a result, they didn't understand understand who he truly was and they couldn't get the revelation that something was actually working in him but once you get the understanding and the faith and the revelation of something then you can attach your faith to that and faith is what brings the supernatural down into this realm so that's what we want to unlock this morning can you turn me up just a tad bit <clears throat> um psalms 50 thank you psalms 50 verse 9. It says, I have no need, this is the Lord talking, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and, will on, and you will honor me. Now skip down to verse 23. He's, it says, He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. 
You know, God doesn't need, uh, you know, this was written in the Old Testament when they would bring uh, the offerings of, a, of an animal because it says in the Bible that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So they had to bring in an animal as a sacrifice in order to have atonement, in order to have forgiveness of sins so that their sins could be uh, covered. It wasn't even washed away then. It was just covered like a stain gets covered on the floor. But God is saying, I don't need the blood the blood of goats. I don't need the blood of rams or any other animal, any cattle. I, or I have all of these things. In fact, the, the very earth is mine. I own all of these things. So it's not like I need this from you. But what does he say? He says to sacrifice thank offerings. Sacrifice thank offerings. And when you do that, it says, then you prepare a way for me to show, me, show you my salvation. Now, there's more to salvation than just the idea that you're saved from hell. Salvation is deliverance. Salvation is, is the healing power of God. Salvation is prosperity. Salvation brings redemption. Salvation is what brings us into faith. Salvation, it, it has more to it than just uh, at the end of our life we get to go to heaven. Salvation, the word sozo means all of those things. Health, deliverance, prosperity, having the blessing of God on our life. So what he's saying here is whenever you give me thank offerings, what you're doing is preparing the way for salvation to be shown to you, for blessing to be shown to you. It's like, a, 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 like I said the other day, I said when we give God thanks, when we praise him, then we're actually, it's like putting a lightning rod up into the sky and his blessings are attracted to that thing. So praise brings us into a higher level. Do you understand that angels deal with prayers? I don't, I'm not saying you pray to angels. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying angels deal with prayers. Our prayers rise like incense to heaven in Revelations chapter 5 and chapter 8, if you look that up. It, it rises to heaven. Angels deal with the, the prayers of men and carry it before the throne of God. But God, what does it say in the Bible? God dwells in the praises of his people. God dwells in the praises of his people. So you want the very glory and presence of God to come down among you? Understand the presence of God. Every knee has to bow. Every tongue has to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The presence of God, everything comes down. So it's different than prayer. Praise is a higher level, but I'm telling you what, praise is harder to get to because it means that you're giving the sacrifice of praise. There has to be an understanding that it's not about feeling. It's not about what I feel like doing. It's about what I do because I believe in what he's giving me and who he is in the greatness of him. I'm believing in his word, what his word says that I am, who it says that I can be, what it says that I can have. And I trust in that more than I trust in the things of this world so praise brings us to another level I mean just like this morning you know as, as we were praising did you feel uh, different in here than what you felt this morning getting ready for church <clears throat> that's why we gather corporately iron sharpens iron as we come into the presence of God and we sing to him we're not singing to ourselves we're not singing just you know uh, just little lullabies. We're not singing nursery rhymes. We're not singing just any song. 
We're singing to the King of Kings. We're ushering his presence in when we do that. You know, some of the greatest, the greatest memories and the best things that I remember in our Hana services was our times of praise. When people came in and it was unified together and everyone was worshiping, everyone was praising. And it wasn't about looking around. It wasn't about, well, you know, what's everybody else doing? Well, I'm going to feel stupid if I do this. It was everybody was pushing towards one thing. And that one thing was God. And then the presence of God would just come into the place, and everybody could sense it. Some people cried. Some people uh, had, were, were joyful. Some people yelled. You know, it was, it was just a, a, a and it, it the, it's when the Holy Spirit orchestrates things. The Holy Spirit comes in and begins to orchestrate. But our responsibility is to yield, to yield. That means we have to submit. And it's like a, 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 uh, Read. The Bible refers to it like a reed that gets, if the wind blows, then that, that reed has to bend. So when that reed bends, that's how we're supposed to be. That's what submit or to yield means. We bend according to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit blows on our life, when the Holy Spirit blows and, and asks us to do something, then we respond. If that's kneeling down, then we kneel down. If it's, it's, if it's shouting hallelujah because that's what he tells us to do. Sometimes we, we get our breakthrough in praise. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning is many people are stuck because they haven't figured out this element here. They're still praying, but they haven't jumped over to praise. They haven't jumped over to the other side where, where they begin to find their victory and they begin to find that place where they're praising him because they believe. They believe. God wants us to believe in his word. Not just say, well, you know, uh, I'm just praying out of desperation. I'm praying. I'm hoping he hears me. I'm just hoping that, that this thing comes forth. You know, 1 John 5 says that when we pray according to his word, we know, that he, we know excuse me, that he hears us. So we can have a confidence in knowing that he hears us. So we don't have to wonder anymore. If I'm praying according to his word, he hears me. So now, because of that revelation, then I can go before him and know that my prayers are not hitting the ceiling and just bouncing back. They're going to heaven. But a higher level than that is to know what the Bible says and to praise him that that thing is coming. That's a different level. I was talking to a family member of mine uh, a few months back, <clears throat> and she was saying, you know, I, I was uh, dealing with, you know, some, some sickness and stuff in the past, but I overcame that, and, and just through reading the word and, and praying scripture and things like that over my life, and then I overcame that, but then it was like a, a year later, it's like it started coming back on me, and she's like, I don't understand why I'm dealing with this again. It's so frustrating, and, and she had a dream, and she had told me the dream, and I, <clears throat> and I said, you know, what I think is going on, and I don't even remember what the dream was now, but at the moment she told me, I knew that what it meant was it was like God was wanting her to go to another level. And it wasn't just praying this anymore. It was going to a new level of praise. It was coming into a new level of, of, of living a different lifestyle of praise instead of just prayer. Am I, am I canceling out prayer? Absolutely not. There are certain things that we have to pray for. But when it's concerning our own life, we can have the authority <clears throat> to praise our way through something. Because you have the authority over your life. 
You may not necessarily have the authority over someone else's life and their decisions, although you can pray for them, but over your life, you can praise your way through something. You, can't, you cannot make someone else praise. That has to be a choice they make on their own. No one can give God someone else's worship. No one else can give God, like, you can't worship for me. You can't pray for me. That's something I have to do on my own. That's something that God says, you know, that he wants us individually. He gives each one of us a heart for him. And it's up to us whether we will respond to that, whether we'll respond to his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Why don't you turn to uh, 1 Corinthians? I've got a scripture I want to share with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You know when it says that he is enthroned on the praises of his people? When it says that, you know, we have to think, are we giving him something to be enthroned on? Because if we're not, then there is nowhere for him to come down and be seated, to be enthroned. He can't be enthroned in depression. He can't be enthroned in, in complaining. He can't be enthroned in discouragement. Why? Because all of those things are of the enemy. He can't be enthroned in those things. Understand that light does not agree with darkness. In fact, the Bible says that these two can't walk together. How can two, in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? Well, God has light. The enemy has darkness. These two cannot exist together. They cannot cohabitate. So when we ourselves are complaining or in, in discouragement or taking on depression or allowing these things to, to come out of our life, then how can God reside or come and enthrone himself on that? He can't. So in order for us to change the atmosphere, we have to begin to praise. We have to begin to change our atmosphere by what comes out of our mouth. And the first way, I'll give you a hint, the first way to begin to do that, because I know in some of your minds you're going, man, that's difficult. That's difficult to get to. Well, first of all, change what you listen to. You got to put some good praise on Good praise. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'll, I'll praise you in the storm. Because that's, you're still focusing on the storm. Well, you know, the storm's still there, and I'm just going to praise you anyway, but still there. And no, put on some praise music that glorifies him, not your storm. So get music that's glorifying him. Get music that, that is, get some with some, with a good beat, you know. But the words glorify God. It tells who God is. It speaks of his nature. It speaks of his character. When you do this, then you're beginning to change the atmosphere. Then begin to sing it. Begin to praise. Begin to dance. Do what you, you won't do in here what you don't do in your own home. You won't do in here what you don't do in your own privacy. 
So as you dance before the Lord in your own home, it's going to be a lot easier to be in here and be able to have a, a little bit of a bounce to you. And the next thing you know, you're going to have some hands raised. And next thing you know, you're not really going to care about what anybody else thinks because in your own home, you've already done this. In your own home, you've already practiced it. You've danced before the Lord and you had an encounter with God. You already met God and you you know that he approves of you. You felt it. You, you were in his presence and nobody's going to take that away from you. So when you come in here, you don't care about everybody else. Their opinion doesn't matter anymore. You're focused on what he says about you. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter one, verse uh, 20, 27. It says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You know, God chooses the foolish things, what the world calls foolish, to shame the wise. You know, in fact, in the verse before that, he says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth when you were called. Why? Because those types of people often rely on their noble birth. They rely on who their daddy was. They rely on where they came from. They rely on their money. They rely on their education. They rely on all the other things. They rely on how much they know. And then they don't lean on God. But those that are weak in those areas, they don't rely on their education. They don't rely, just like Killa said, he, didn't, he wasn't relying on his high school education. He, he was barely making it through high school. <laughs> so it was easier for him to rely on God. It was easier for him to, when the Lord would speak to him, he could trust that. He developed that, that, that relationship with the Lord. So it says here, not many of you were wise. He's saying it's not based upon what you know. It's not based upon who, where you came from. It's based upon, in fact, the foolish things, the, what the world calls foolish. He's like, those are the things that are going to shame the wise and shame the strong. Uh, continue on. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Well, what does that have to do with praise? Understand, he chose the things that, that are not to nullify, to void out, to cancel out the things that are. The things that, the situation that you're in right now, how do you cancel that out? You use a supernatural spiritual way. You can only do so much in the natural. And then you got to flip it over to the spiritual, to the supernatural. And you got to be able to turn on that praise witch. You've got to flip that on and begin to praise your way through that. You take what is not in front of you, but what the word of God says that you have. And you begin to praise that thing through. Because it takes the invisible. In fact, that's how God created everything in this earth. The thing that was invisible, his word, came forth and created the visible. We do the same very thing today. He called us to do the same thing today, is to take the invisible, his word, and, and apply it, bring it forth, bring it into manifestation, bring it into pass by speaking it out. That's why the Bible says that ye are God's sons of the Most High. 
That's what he calls us. Why? Because we are to walk the same way he walked. We are to speak the same way he, sp- the same way he speaks. In fact, in Hebrews uh, 13, 15, it says that, that we're to offer up a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Now, understand this. You know the word confess there actually means to speak forth the same way that God declares. So the thing is, when it it says to confess his name, to offer up a sacrifice, and what do we do when we are offering up a sacrifice of praise? We're speaking forth and declaring forth, aligning ourselves with the very thing that God says about us, that God says that we can have. When we do that, then we're aligning ourselves with him. Then he can begin to come down and enthrone on our praises. So when we, in fact, Hi Lama, come up and tell uh, the story about how you got your, your birthday weekend thingy. Oh, it is? Are you sure? Okay. Um, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm like changing up my sermon now <laughs> because I'm like everything you're saying. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's like everything you have. But anyways, I my birthday was about two weeks ago now, and I was wanting to go on a vacation. <laughs> and it's not like we didn't have the money, but we had it in savings, and I didn't want to touch our savings. And I was like, I want to go, and we it didn't look like it would be possible. And I felt in my spirit, like, I was listening to Ted and Carolyn Shuttlesworth Jr., um, and they were talking about the desires of your heart. And I just went into the word of God and I quoted scriptures over my life. And I said, thank you, Lord, that you give me the desires of your heart, of my heart. And I thank you, Lord, that I will see this thing come to a pass. And so even that, um, it was even funny because we sowed a big seed. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that you gave me seed to sow. And as I sowed, I thank you, Lord, that that will come back into my lap, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And so even as I quoted that and I um, declared that in my life, um, $300 came in. And that was exactly what I needed for my birthday, um, for the weekend. And then not only that, then another hundred and then another hundred after that. Just for my birthday, I I alone, I had $500 that came in, and I don't even know how that came in, but by declaring and praising God, and it's even in my own life, I remember when I first got um, saved, I was like, Lord, what is it that I need to do to, um, because I can pray, but what can I do to see this thing come to pass because I don't want to like repeat myself because God is not stupid God is a smart God and so I was like why am I repeating myself and doing that over and over and I had the revelation that praise praise will bring bring that breakthrough praise will bring the thing the very thing that I'm desiring into my in my heart come to a pass and as I speak that even as um Hebrews 13 15 says that it's the fruit of our lips praise is the fruit of our lips and so even that it's the things that come out of my mouth it's I'm not gonna declare my situation I'm not gonna stay in that situation where I'm at I'm gonna declare that and I will declare the word of God I will declare what my desires are because the Lord loves you and he loves to give his children good gifts and so even in that $500 came in for my birthday and I thank the Lord for that because I knew that he answered my prayers I knew because I praised him I chose to offer up a sacrifice of praise than to just waller in my 
sorrow, whatever I was wanting, because I was like crying to Zane too. I was like, I really want to go, and I don't know why. I d- we don't have the money for it. And I was like, you know what? Shape up and praise the Lord, because it's the praise that will m- bring breakthrough. And it's the praise of your lips. It's the fruit of our lips that will get you through the things that you need to get through. Amen. And that's what many of us need to do. We need to shape up and say, you know, the Bible says that weeping can last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So we need to like, you know, I'm not saying you can't ever cry. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, you know, take your moment and then get back up. You know, a kid that falls off of his bike doesn't stay there for the rest of his life crying over it. They get back up, they try again. So we got to get back up and surround ourselves with the scripture. Surround ourselves with what the word of God says and begin to declare that. That's what prophesying is. It's declaring over your situation. Declaring the things that are going to change. Declaring that this is not going to be the way that it stays. Yes, that takes a tougher person. It takes a, a soldier and not a baby. But that's what we're growing up here. We're growing up soldiers in the army of the Lord. We're growing up, uh, you know, people, the Bible talks about we're to be mature in our faith. So we grow, we grow. We don't just get saved and then stay in the same spot and suck our thumbs until, you know, it's time to go home to be with the Lord. We grow up and we say, you know what, what the word says about this situation, what the word says about me, well, now I I, I know, so I've got to apply that. It's the challenge accepted right accept the challenge in our life so we we dust ourselves up off and then we get up and we say okay the word of God says this so I'm, I'm going to have it I'm not going to sit around and wait I'm not going to sit around and and cry about this in fact go to the the book of Leviticus chapter 10 Leviticus 10 Starting at verse 1, it says, Aaron's son, sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized or strange fire before the Lord. That means fire that they were not supposed to uh, bring before the Lord. Somewhere along the way, they messed up and brought in their own fire, fire that wasn't uh, prepared in the right way, whatever it was. The Bible doesn't go into exactly uh, what this means, but we know that they prepared unauthorized strange fire, fire that was not supposed to be in the tabernacle before the Lord. And it says, contrary to his command. So the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them because God is a holy God. You know, many times we like to mold God's character into what we want it to be, graceful whenever, uh, you know, we want something or to excuse all of our, our ex- you know, well, you know, this and this and this in my life. Like ours is so much different than everybody else's. I was telling Pastor Brad yesterday, I was like, you know, everybody always thinks that their situation is the worst. Everybody always thinks that their life is the hardest. 
But that's that me mentality. You know, that's that, well, you know, my, my situation's different. Fairmont's just hard. It's a hard, well, you know what? We heard that in Hana too. Hana's just hard. Every place you go to, a pastor says, you know, this place is just hard. You know, and they think that their city is the hardest of the whole earth. The, the, that's a lie of the enemy. The enemy likes to feed people that their situation is the hardest, that their life is the hardest, that other people haven't seen it the way they've seen it. But the thing is, that's what will keep people at a low position. You can overcome. You can be, be the top of your family. You can be the top in, in what you're called to do. So what happened here? Fire came down from the Lord. It consumed these two men. And it says, Moses then said to Aaron, sorry, consumed them and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will show myself holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. I will be honored. God wants to be honored. If he is not honored, he won't show up. That's why we have to have a respect for the anointing, a respect for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes in, you know, we do our best to protect that anointing, to protect the presence of God in this place. You know, I've seen at times in, in churches where, you know, a uh, sister whomever that's been in that church for 20 years wants to interrupt at the very moment that the presence of God comes and it's the same person every time and they got something to say. You know, well, I got something to say. And many of times, it, it, that was not even God moving them at all. It was them being disruptive. We have got to honor, honor the presence of God. God says, I will be honored. He is a king. That's why when you sing praises about him, he's going to show up. Think about it. If a king, if if a king, think of even the movies. I know we don't have kings in this land, and I think that's why sometimes we have a hard time understanding this concept, because we we're uh, a nation that everybody's allowed to have an opinion. Which I'm not saying that that that's a bad thing, but it does take away the honor piece in in what we're supposed to have in Christianity and towards God and towards uh, the holy the holy uh, spirit in people's lives. But the thing is. If you think about a king, and, and if you think about the crowds of people, and the king is sitting on his throne, and then if everybody is cheering because they love the king, because the king's done good things, and he's given the people good things, given lands, given them property, given them, uh, you know, passed out good things for the people, done good for their land. Their land is, hasn't looked this good in years, and the people are cheering, yeah, long live the king, we love the king. Well, what typically happens? Does the king just sit there and go, mm. He stands up and he waves, doesn't he? It's like he's, he's giving them uh, a, the thank you, the presence of favor. He stands up. Well, you know the Bible says to let God arise and his enemies be scattered? When we praise, it's like he comes in himself and the enemies have to scatter. The enemies have to scatter. But it doesn't come in through our depression. It doesn't come in through complaining. It doesn't come in through judgment. It doesn't come in through, well, you know, I just don't like the, the lights like this. I don't like the, you know, the songs like that. I don't like the, you know, it doesn't come in like that. 
It comes in through what's coming out of your heart. The Bible says, go ahead and go on. It says, Aaron remained silent. You know, he, he realized, okay, this is some serious stuff here. God's not playing around. He just wiped out my two sons, you know, because they came before him in the wrong manner. And they were doing their own thing, and they didn't honor God. And it says, Moses summoned Mishael and El Elzaphon, sorry, uh, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. And so they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp as Moses ordered. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, do not let your hair become unkept and do not tear your clothes or you will die and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives and all the house of Israel may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting or you will die because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. God said, do not, do not tear your clothes in mourning. Don't let your hair be unkept. You know, don't go through the mourning process. Your family can do that outside the temple. But when you're in my presence, do not, do not go through that process of mourning. He said, for the anointing oil is upon you. Because Aaron was the high priest. And so he wasn't supposed to be going through any type of mourning. Why? Because God doesn't dwell on mourning. God doesn't dwell on depression. And he says, the anointing oil is upon you. If you bring that into my presence, you're going to die. Now, obviously, we're under the grace of God now, but his presence still requires protocol. In order for the anointing of God and the presence of God to fill a place and for you to feel the tangible presence of God, there has to be an honoring. There has to be a celebration of who he is, a praise of who he is, a worship from the heart of the people of who he is. And when you do that, then he feels welcome to come into the, the, the presence of the people. He said, don't even leave the tent of meeting because the Lord's anointing oil is upon you. And, you know, I was thinking uh, years ago when I was in high school, my junior year, we won the state championship in softball. And, you know, after we won, you know, we played how many ever games we played in order to, to you know, win all of the the games we got uh the state championship we each got a plaque all of that we you know coming home because the state championship was not held the the games were not held in our town it was about four hours away so we had to travel back so we're traveling back and whenever we got back into town well guess what no one was crying no one was going oh you guys know that that one time you missed the ball that was bad. You know, you guys really you need to work harder on that. No, people were celebrating. They brought the fire trucks. They had us all on the back of trucks. They gave everybody roses. Here, have these roses. Everybody's cheering. There was a celebration. There wasn't one eye mourning. There wasn't one person mourning. 
There was a celebration of the victory. And the thing is, winners don't cry. Winners, winners have a victory stance. Like Moses had a victory stance on top of the mountain. Whenever they were uh, battling uh, the people, uh, the enemy, he had to stand there the whole day with his arms raised up in a victory stance. He didn't do it after they won. He did it before they won. In fact, the only reason they won was because they held the victory stance. He had people to help hold his arms up in that position. You know, it's important who you put around you. If Moses had a couple uh, guys going, well, pfft, Moses, I think this is stupid. You know, you holding your hands up like that. I don't understand why you're doing this. I don't, you know, I'm done with this. What's going on here? You look retarded standing there with your arms raised up. Sorry, I shouldn't use that word. You look, you look stupid with your, your arms raised up like that. I'm not going to be part of this. If he would have had that, he wouldn't have had his own strength. It would have given out. Who you decide to put around you in life is so important. There are people sometimes that need to be weeded out. And I'm not saying that you never have contact with them again, but don't put them in your closest circle. They're a discouragement into your ear. They're a discouragement in your life. They speak negatively. They, they try to pull you back. There's always, if you're going somewhere and there's not people around you encouraging you to go the, the path that God's called you to go on, then you need to separate yourself. Because the people that are planning to stay back here do not like anyone else coming out from the crowd. They want to pull you back. So you've got to put people around you that are encouraging you that are strengthening you in the Lord, that are helping you and saying, no, you can do this. Because we're all going to face something. There's going to be times that we face things, and we might need someone to come along. A brother or sister in Christ says, no, you got this. Remember, God's called you to do this. You can do this. You're, you're strengthened in this. You're going to be strong. You're going to make this. And, in fact, you're even going to go further than what you think. When, when you've got people around you to help hold your arms up, and keep that victory stance. No, God's going to see this through. God's got you. You can do this. That's the position that we want to keep. That we're not in a position of, of mourning in, our, in, our, uh, in a place of, of sorrow and, and just looking at the dirt and, you know, going, well, we're just not going to, this is just how it is. No. Dust yourself off and get in your victory stance. Dust yourself off and begin to proclaim what God has said over your life. In fact, that's what exactly what Abraham did for years. He was 99 years old. 99. In fact, in the Bible, it said, let me read it to you real quick, because I, I want you to, to realize that these were not like superhero guys. These were normal people. Normal people. Romans 4. You've got Moses, or not Moses, sorry, Abraham, and he's, he's facing, like, he, he wants a child. A child is everything because it's who you leave your inheritance to. How is he going to be the father of many nations without a child? So in chapter 4, it says, 
uh, verse 17, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Get this, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they are. That's the very essence of what we've been talking about. We call things that are not as though they are, as though they are. So we call those things into existence just the way God does. And it says against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed against all hope. Against all hope. He had no hope. It says, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he did not get weak in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Understand, he wasn't sitting there going, no, my body's very uh, fertile right now. He was 99. He said he did not uh, look at that and, and, and understand that, well, this isn't really true. He knew. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, that he could not produce. He was too old to produce. He faced that fact, but, but God is able. But. God is going to bring this promise that he told me to pass. God is bigger than my problem. God can do more. God can, in fact, the word of God says that God is able to do more exceedingly above all that we can ask or imagine. And then, but listen to this. After that, it says, according to what? The work, the power that is at work within us, the power that, not the power that's in us, because his power does live in us, but it's the power that is at work, at work within us. We've got to put that to work. Many times we're sitting around waiting on God to do, but we got to do. We got to be the ones putting that power to work. So we declare, we work the word, we work that thing out, and we declare over a situation. Just like Abraham, he said, yeah, I know my body is, is dead, but that's not God. But God is able. But God is able. And it says he did not waver in his faith. And it says he did not stagger. He did not waver. And, you know, you think about it. What does a drunk man do? When he staggers, he's back and forth. He's on this side of the road. And then he's on this side of the road. And then he's over here. He's back and forth. He, ha he can't walk the line. He cannot stay on the line. We're called to stay on the line, to hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Hold firmly. Don't let go of it. What has God put on the inside of you? What has he called you to do? What has he put, even the desires of your heart, what has he put in there that you want, that you desire? As long as they're lined up with the word of God, because he wants the best for you. He does. You know, when we went into ministry, we, we, in fact, the Lord corrected me this morning because I was thinking about this. And I said, God, we gave up houses and homes because the word of God says that, that when you give up houses and homes for his namesake and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, he will give you the same. He'll give you more in this life and the next to come. Well, it's also, it also means in this life, not just the next to come, in this life. So I stand on that promise because the house that we had, we actually, it was a nice home. We built it the way we wanted it. Well, then six months later, we were called into the mission field. 
we didn't know all of that was lining up or we probably wouldn't have done that. But, but God called us to the mission field. So we went. And we just sold that house last year. So, you know, we're not, we're not planning on going back there ever because we knew that God was calling us to something. And I said, Lord, we gave up. And he said, no, you planted. Yes. And I was like, okay, sorry, Lord, we planted. We planted a seed. We planted that home for a better one. Because we, I've been saying, Father, you said that in your word that those who give up, yes, they did, but it's a planting. It's coming out of your hand and into the soil. So it's a planting. And I was like, thank you, Lord. I have planted a home. I have planted a home. And another one is coming, and it's going to be better. And it's going to have lands, and it's going to have properties. And I've already talked to the Lord about the things that I want in this home. And the, and the office that's going to be specifically mine, that has a, a lock on it to lock out. <laughs> My soundproof room that nobody else can hear, and I can be as loud as I want in that office that locks the rest of the world out. Hallelujah. So against all hope, I don't care what's facing you in your situation. Against all hope. The situation doesn't have to line up for God to work. God is God. God is big. God is able. He, is, he, he created the world. Your situation is not too big. It is small in comparison to what he's already done. Amen? Hallelujah. So just as uh, he did not waver through unbelief, but he was strengthened in his faith, and it says he gave glory to God. He gave glory to God. That is what we are called to do, is to give gl glory to God. Same when you come to the keyboard. Give glory to God. We do not waver in our faith. We become stronger in our faith, and we give glory to God, and we proclaim what he has for us, the greatness that he has.